It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. Welcome into East Coast Bias. I'm Brian Barrett filling in for JJ as he enjoys his honeymoon. Hey, Raheem House, thanks for having me, guys. How are you doing? Life is good. I mean, look, last week we came back from the Super Bowl. That was like a lot of fun. We ate good. We won some bets. We cashed our tickets on the Kansas City Chiefs. But this weekend we just had the All-Star break and it was a big, big letdown. But other than that, life is good. Yeah, BB, welcome aboard. You know, I, 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 uh, I have to admit, we love JJ. We miss JJ. We want him to have a wonderful time. But I do like starting the show off on time. You see, I mean, you know, look. <laughs> oh. <laughs> JJ oh, knows. man. JJ knows. JJ's we, usually late. We just give him a little bit of, it's it's JJ time. That's all. That's all. But look, we're, we are on time here with East Coast Bias this week, coming off of the NBA All-Star Weekend which was, you know, exactly what it's cracked up to be in this modern era. Something for the sponsors, something for the celebrities. It's a C&B scene, nothing of any substance. Let the guys get some rest. I didn't care about the game. I did play the East on the money line, I will confess. Uh, had to have a taste. But look, man, when the West is saying, uh, we're, we're not trying. The Joker said, I'm not going to try. Luca said, I'm not going to try. You knew LeBron was only going to play a certain amount. It's like, oh, let me take a swing at a little bit. Didn't make a lot, you know, just a small wager to have some stake on it. But I'm ready now for the NBA to come back because this home stretch is going to be outrageous, BB. Yeah, you're not kidding. And I'll say this, like, from a Celtics perspective, because obviously I'm recording here in Boston, is... One of the things I was talking about the other day with Tim Bontemps on my pod from ESPN is the last moment I have, like, I know Tatum won the All-Star Game MVP last season, but if you go back to Kemba Walker, he was never the same player after the All-Star Game a couple of years ago when they had that target score. He had these knee issues. He played in the All-Star Game. They kept running him out there. And after the All-Star break, he was never the same player again. He had all these issues with his knees, and it ended up being a sunk cost. Now, in the long run, the Celtics had to attach a draft pick, trade him to OKC. They did bring back Al Horford, who has now been a good member of the organization for the second time. But I totally understand why guys don't want to play heavy minutes. Now, it stinks to watch, right, because you can think about those old all-star games. I just don't think they really have the guy in the modern NBA that's going to push that, right? It's not going to be LeBron. Luka and Jokic are two of the biggest stars in the NBA. They don't like the all-star game. They don't care about it. The one guy that would like kind of be competitive was Russell Westbrook, but obviously he's not an all-star caliber player anymore. But I can't get too upset about the quality of the game because at this point, we're almost in the acceptance stage of it, right? I don't have any hope that it's going to be get back to being good again. 
I think the one thing that people neglect when it comes to the All-Star break and All-Star weekend is that as this weekend has become more of a, a, a bigger, bigger scene with, you know, the corporate partners and everything going surrounding the, the game, these players are wiped out by the time the game starts. Like, you look at guys who they play a game on Wednesday. They play a game on Thursday, and then they fly into All-Star Weekend, and they have parties. They have events. They have autograph signings. Every single NBA partner is in town, similar to the Super Bowl. And by the time the game starts, these guys are just tired and want to go home. So I don't see that changing anytime soon. And, you know, like, if that's going to be the case, this All-Star game is just not going to be a competitive game because guys are tired. Yeah, BB, I'm fine if we just figure out a way to turn it into a skills competition and let the guys, you know, show off. that uh, The half-court shooting to me is is honestly the thing I'm most interested in, going further and further back, you know, Dame shooting from the logo, getting all the way back to half. I'm into that. I'm fine with it. If we're going to have an in-season tournament in December, now, what I want, what I care about more than anything, we got competitive basketball in December. And now with 30 games left on the schedule, I want uh, a competitive basketball. I want everybody healthy going into the playoffs, the only portion of the season that matters. So this jockeying for position that's going to occur over these next 30 games, that's awesome. This We're starting off this Thursday night tonight with the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. I mean, that's a referendum game. That game is crucial for both of those teams. And look, this is what I want over this stretch. Healthy guys, guys showing up with the rest uh, from, from the break. And let's go ahead and get into this this delicious, you know, three months of of great competitive basketball. Everything else, you know, it's, 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 it's all just noise on the margins. Well, and I think in terms of if you look at it in the Eastern Conference, health is going to determine a lot of this, right? Because it feels like at this point in time, the Celtics are going to run away with the number one seed. But the number two seed right now, Cleveland has control of it, but it could be up for grabs. And you think about the situation in New York with Randall. When is he going to be coming back? OG was so good for that team. They were outscoring teams by 25 points for 100 possessions when he was on the court. He's coming back from an elbow thing. So that entire team, Mitchell Robinson, too. Hartenstein's been back banged up dealing with this Achilles situation. Then you look at Philly. They're not really going to be a competitive team unless you get pretty close to a healthy Embiid. And we'll see what he's like when he comes back. So that whole conference has been banged up. Milwaukee, I think their question is more on court. I mean, Doc Rivers has, it's been a disaster since I know their defense has gotten better, but that team has been a disaster. And I don't feel like they have, when I look at the competitors to the Celtics, I don't think they have the defensive personnel to compete with the Celtics, as great as Giannis and Damar, I feel like there's too many holes on that side of the court. And even when you look at the Celtics, their biggest question mark is this team has had so many issues in the postseason in the past offensively. When the offense gets stale, well, now they have the most efficient post player in the NBA and Kristaps Porzingis. But the biggest question with him, is he going to make it to the finish line? Every time that guy has anything, he leaves the game. At times, they're not even serious injuries and he has to go back. And every time you hold your breath, if you're cheering for the Celtics, but that could determine the postseason because right now Porzingis has given the Celtics something they haven't had in the past an edge over when they get in a Miami series, when they get in a Philly or a Milwaukee series. But this whole conference is going to be determined by the health. Even the Cleveland thing, there's questions there because I know they've been what 18 and two since January 1st. 
But now they're getting these guys back in the lineups. I know all of a sudden Mobley's taken a couple of threes and everybody's going nuts. But do you trust that those two big guys can play together offensively in the postseason? So this whole Eastern Conference, I think, comes down to who's the healthiest. I kind of agree that it depends on who's the healthiest. But I mean, right now, the Boston Celtics are just worlds better than anybody else. And when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers, as great as they play, I do not trust J.B. Bickerstaff in a postseason series. This is a guy who got outcoached by Fibs. And we know Fibs in the postseason, he hasn't been a great coach. This is a guy who has been a regular season coach for much of his career. So you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers right now on FanDuel Sportsbook, this is the team who, I mean, you could still get them at, what, 30 to 1 to, well, 25 to 1 to win the NBA Finals. And I, I just don't see it because as great as they are, I don't trust J.B. Bickerstaff. And look, a lot of people are talking about Donovan Mitchell leaving out the door after this year. So I can't trust that team. The Knicks are banged up. The Sixers, if you ask me, the Sixers, I know they made some moves at the deadline, but this is a team that legitimately could miss the postseason. So I look at the rest of the conference, and I'm just, I'm not too encouraged. I think it's the Boston Celtics, and I think, believe it or not, the Milwaukee Bucks are kind of being slept on. I know they're, they're, they're kind of old. There's not a lot of athleticism around Giannis Antetokounmpo. But at the end of the day, the issues that this team has always had has been their offense in the postseason. They've, they've only had a top five offense once in the entire postseason during the Giannis era. So they have Giannis. They have Dane. I think they start to put things together. And I think they're the challenger for the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, Brian Barrett. Welcome to East Coast Bias. Me and the Dream, we're often on the same. We got a mind meld. So we, lots of times you'll hear Dream uh, drop some, some some science, and then I'm I'm right behind him with the same kind of point of view. I also think that the Bucks are being undervalued right now. The 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 um, real test for the Bucks is when everybody's healthy, everybody's back, and then we can see. And that might only be a 15 to 20 game stretch. But those guys with the exception, I think Pat Bev fits in anywhere. I'm not worried about his ability to fit in and, and work with those guys. Middleton is the key. So you need healthy Middleton for about a 15 to 20 game stretch. But as I look down the card, the four teams in the East to me, it's Boston. It's the New York Knicks if they can get healthy because that team is so deep and so big. I mean, if that Knicks team has Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein uh, and, and Precious all healthy uh, and, and Julius Randle's back and effective, that team, I think, is absolutely a legit threat to the Celtics. Uh, they had the best point guard in, in, in the East, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so it's the Knicks, it's the Bucks, it's the, the, the Celtics, obviously. And boy, if, if, if you don't say the Miami Heat, you better go back to NBA school. You better go back and teach yourself something. If you sleep on the Miami Heat at this stage, at this you know point in, in all that Jimmy Butler has taught us every postseason, I think the Sixers, and we might look find some betting opportunities here, have embarked on a soft tank because I don't think that there's any scenario under which Joel Embiid is coming back. And honestly, it doesn't make any sense for him to come back. That surgery that he had, um, you know, they've been very, uh, uh, you know, certain, 
quiet about it. You know, they won't they won't commit to exactly what what happened. I think that they're in the midst of let's get to the summer. They have all that cap room. They have all this flexibility, and they can build a team. The he, buddy acquiring buddy was great, um, but I think they're in the midst of, of a soft tank. I will take a spot um, to Dream's point on the Sixers to miss the playoffs. Interesting. All right. So my whole thing when I was referencing the health is just to be clear, I feel like if the Celtics have a healthy Porzingis, they're beating everyone. But I just hold my breath because I've seen what this team has done in the postseason without Porzingis. The Milwaukee stuff is certainly interesting. And we'll see what happens with Doc down the stretch of the season. But I do feel like the Knicks, to me, if we're looking at it from the biggest threat in the East, they scare me because of what OG could do in a potential matchup against the Celtics when he can take on Tatum for the entirety of a series and not many other teams do. And living here in Boston, I would never count the Miami Heat out of anything. I've just seen it way too many times. All right, coming up next, we'll get to some adjusted win totals as we prepare for the stretch run. Maybe the Bucks will factor into this. Welcome back into East Coast Bias. Brian Barrett filling in for JJ Raheem and House here. So let's get to a couple of adjusted win totals. Raheem, you got a best best one on your mind right now? So, like, this one's interesting just because, look, at this point in time, unders are just a look, they have a little bit more value than I think people realize. So, I mean, you're looking at teams who they want to get healthy for the postseason. Like, that's really what they want to do. And at the end of the day, it's just like, we know this all-star break, you're going to have some teams making a push, but you're going to have some teams saying, look, we're going to shut it down. So I tend to look for unders, but the one that stands out for me is the Phoenix Suns. Right now, like, this is a team who, I mean, they, they, re- they rarely can get healthy. You're looking at them at 48 and a half wins. Right now, they are, what, 33 and 22? I think you can go under. I think you go under 48 and a half wins and FanDuel actually has this juice at minus 138 for a reason with the over at plus 112. So I think that Western Conference is is pretty stacked. A lot of these teams are going to be going for wins. You still want to keep Kevin Durant, Bradley Bill and Devin Booker healthy for the postseason. So I I would look to go under there. BB, you know, I I just warned you, me and and Dream on the same wavelength. Obviously, I agree with that. Sun's analysis, but I'm on two unders, and it fits exactly kind of this this concept of um, veteran teams looking to get themselves into shape in in their proper shape, the proper rest. The uh, Denver Nuggets are at fifty four and a half. I absolutely adore their under there. They're right now on pace for about fifty four wins. They just don't have any reason to do it. It doesn't matter if they finish in the top four of the West, which I think they're fairly well poised to do that's good enough i'm not worried about denver having you know road games potentially in minnesota or oklahoma city um the only one that would be concerning potentially is the clippers and that is you know you're playing the health lottery there so i think that under makes sense to me and then i'll give credit to the pod father for this he 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 doesn't like it when we have you know our separate conversations and then i sometimes i come on and share some of the observations, but he's going to have to live with this one because it's a great call. The The Toronto Raptors under 29 and a half is um, a wonderful opportunity. Speaking of, of quiet tanking, soft tanking, they are in position if they finish underneath that number 
to finish in the top six uh, for the NBA draft. And I think that is the angle that they are pursuing. I wholeheartedly agree with the analysis by the Podfather. I'm sorry, Bill. You you can you can put it put it out to everybody and give your full analysis, but I had to steal a little bit. Yeah, they stunk before the trades, and they've been significantly worse after the trades. And the other thing I'd say about them is I don't know what's going on with Masai. Like ever since he won that championship, a lot of the moves they've made or haven't made just don't really make a lot of sense. Going back to what took you so long to get rid of Lowry? Like, and Fred Van Fleet just walked in the offseason. So I don't know. Like he has got this perception as this genius GM and obviously won a championship, but there wasn't really a lot of thinking going into that. He traded for Kawhi Leonard, one of the best players in the NBA, and that team wasn't going anywhere with DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. So yeah, you risked one year, but I, I don't know. I just feel like since that point, he's not had the greatest record. I feel like Masai has, has become that fantasy football owner who just overvalues his assets. And at some point, you overvalue your assets to the point where those assets become cheapened and they end up leaving for nothing. You, you said it with Fran Van Vliet. You said it with Kyle Lowry. Um, obviously, they took a long time to trade Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. And so at the end of the day, this team is going nowhere fast. So I totally agree with that assessment. Yeah, and even the OG thing, it's like you get players in return. You don't get draft picks out in the future, really. So one of the ones I'm looking at is Dallas, and I have them over 47 and a half. So if you look at Dallas, really, Luka has been tremendous. We mentioned that earlier. Like, he's in the MVP conversation. Their strength of schedule is 21st. And one of the biggest things for them is Grant Williams is no longer on the team. They were getting outscored by 116 points with Grant on the court. With Grant off the court, they're plus 128. So... And I'll be honest, I thought that Grant Williams was going to be good for the Mavericks because he can shoot corner threes and he basically lost a shot at some point this season and they never really recovered. Now, the one question mark is Kyrie and his health, but when Kyrie's been on the court, he's been awesome. They've outscored teams by 153 points. And look, I know firsthand that you cannot trust Kyrie, but it feels like when you look at this team that the Mavericks have, And I know you go back to the conference finals team a couple of years ago and what Jalen Brunson has now become. But if you look at what Kyrie is at this moment, like this team makes a lot of sense. Now, in terms of the assets going out in the future for what they gave up to bring in Gafford and to bring in P.J. Washington, they're going to be in trouble in the near future. But I do really feel like for this, based on where their schedule's at, based on the way that they've been playing, And it feels like Luca likes this team, which is maybe most important. And the fact that you have Gafford is an awesome fit for them, especially when Lively's not on the court, because you basically have, what, 48 minutes of a rolling center to the basket surrounded now by shooting. Hardaway's had a good season for them as well. So based on the schedule and all that, I think they're going over 47 and a half. I know it's crazy to look at the stacked West and say that about Dallas, but you can make an argument outside of Jokic that Luca's the best player in that conference. Yeah, Brian Barrett, me me and Dream are going to help you with this one, buddy, because I adore Dallas. I'm on every Dallas future from here on out. Plus 135 to win their division. You know, a little bit of speculation on them to win the Western Conference. Yes, I'm in it. This is the best team surrounding Luka in his entire NBA career. They are super versatile now defensively. It's the best defensive team he will have ever played with, and it's because of those acquisitions, they they create flexibility that takes pressure off of guys that were otherwise uncomfortable in the roles they were playing defensively. And look, I mean, you know, some of the, if you look at the power rankings um, right now, NBA.com, John Schumann has them up there at seven. 
and he makes the point. They're number one in the NBA in clutch minutes. 17 and six is their record uh, in clutch games. And they're, they're, you know, their, their metrics uh, are, are going to only go in one direction. I'm very bullish uh, on Dallas dream. I, I love the direction they're headed in. Yeah. This was actually going to be my second one as well. I, like I really love this. One. I mean, you look at the last two weeks, they're, they're outscoring teams by 9.7 points per one of possessions. And they're second in defensive rating at 105 points per one of possessions. And we know with Luka Doncic, like they're going to have a top tier offense. Last two weeks, 121 points per one of possessions. And the one thing I can say about this team is that Derek Lively has missed a ton of time. They're 23 and 14 with Derek Lively in the lineup this year. And then now you add Daniel Gafford, you add PJ Washington. Those two are going to sew up all of the issues that the Mavericks had defensively. And, you know, one thing Luka hasn't had throughout most of his career, outside of the time with Jalen Brunson, is that second ball handler and creator. And Kyrie Irving can be that. Regardless of what you feel about him and his mercurial nature, he's played well with this Mavericks team. So we know that, I mean, House already listed the clutch stats. Like, we already know they can score offensively. The only issue was them defensively. And it seems that they're defending right now. There's a lot of people within NBA circles who are looking at this MVP award. We Obviously, Nikola Jokic is minus 120. Shai Gildas Alexander is plus 210. But third is Luka Doncic, plus 700 to win this award. And if the Mavericks are able to make a run and get a top four seed, Luka has a real chance of winning this award. So there's a lot of people taking flyers on it. I'm not sure I necessarily agree, but I totally understand. it. Yeah, I think the most difficult thing with that is just can they get into the top four? Because there's really, outside of that Russell Westbrook year when he averaged the triple-double, it's tough to win it outside of that top four. You rarely see it. And when you look at those top four teams, I just have, I think they're going to win the division, like House said earlier, because they're only a game behind New Orleans. And New Orleans, it's a very weird team where, Ingram and Zion, the numbers with those two guys on the floor together, they're still not good, even though the team's good. Herb Jones has been awesome for them. It's just, it's sort of a weird team, and I have more faith that Dallas knows what it's doing. All right, House, you get another one in terms of the adjusted wins? I gave out uh, my, my my two uh, favorites. I do think that um, Detroit <laughs> has a possibility. Over their last 15 games, they're in the top 20 in net rating, I think they're done, you know, deliberately trying to lose games. I think that number is like 13 and a half. I, I, I could see just based on how, you know, if, if the last 15 games are in the indication, um, them getting to 14 wins. Yeah, I, I wonder too about with your team there in Washington, what they're going to do down the stretch in terms of they have the 11th toughest schedule and their over-under is 15 and a half. And when you look at their team, they're 26 at offense, they're 27th in defense. They don't even play well when their best players are on the court. Jordan Poole is second to last in the entire NBA in field goal percentage. Now, there's been something going on with Denny Advia there. The guy's been going off like before the All-Star break. So I don't know what's going on with that. But even when he was going off in those four games, they still lost all four of them. And I would say, hey, they could rest some guys down the stretch. But even if they don't rest guys, they're going to lose. So it feels like to me, Washington's going under 15 and a half. Yeah, they're trying. I will say this. And Denny for sure has been a revelation. And that kudos to Brian Keefe for emphasizing, you know, Denny and and featuring him. I mean, the Jordan Poole thing, we don't have enough time on this show. That's a whole nother show for another time. Uh, And and I'll have to make sure there's no sharp objects nearby. Um, I like playing Washington in instances like tonight where, 
Denver is laying 15 points. Now, Washington, under Brian Keefe, they're playing hard. They've only lost two games. They played 10 games with him as the head coach. They've only lost two games by double digits. It's not for lack of trying. It is for lack of talent. And all these guys are auditioning, right? Marvin Bagley Jr., he's trying. And I don't, he's, he's you know, a competent NBA player. Um, Denny, for sure, is like, okay, let, let me have my, my opportunity here to, to shine. Corey Kispert wants an extension. He's playing for it. You know, he's, 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 he, they, they, they make sure that they feed him. I can't, uh, in good conscience, recommend anybody to play um, anything other than the under on that win total. But look for opportunities where they are catching 10 points or more and be selective. I do think that trend is going to uh, hold up over these last 30 games. Raheem, you got any uh, win totals you like going forward here? Um, my second one was the Dallas Mavericks. So those are two of my favorites. Um, obviously, the Dallas Mavericks over and the Phoenix Suns under. So those are two of my favorites. I, I really like the one house said. So I don't have any others that I'm crazy about. Yeah, the one other one I was looking at is Orlando, 45 and a half. So the reason for that is they have 12 games against the Pistons, the Wizards, the Hornets, the Blazers, the Raptors, the Grizzlies, and the Nets. And Orlando, as we know, has been a great defensive team. They're fifth in the NBA this year in defense. And Paolo's become a dude. He's been awesome. He's getting to the free throw line again this year, just like he was last year, seven times a game. They played a lot of games this season without Wagner. Now he's back in the mix. I do wonder about those two guys long-term together, just because the numbers with them on the court have not been great. I feel like they could have done something to help out those two at the trading deadline. It feels like what they desperately need is shooting. Maybe they think that's going to come in the near future with, I don't even know, like what they're going to do with Jet Howard because it's not like it's not like he's better. Like I think about what if they had just drafted Hawkins, right? Hawkins, one of the best shooters in the draft, if they just were playing it. Because like New Orleans, sometimes he doesn't even play because that team is so deep. But long term, I think they could use another guard. I would have liked to see them go after a guy like Brogdon, even if it's not a long term thing, just because he can help out with some shooting. But I do feel like since the schedule is relatively soft for them, I think they'll go over that 45 and a half. That's a great call. I, I like that. And they are right in that mix of a team that could jump up. You know, if you um, subscribe to the point of view that Philly is going to drop down below um, the top six, and that's certainly my view. And Indiana is right on that line. Indiana is, is like they cannot have any more miss um, Halliburton games. They just flat out can't um, tolerate it. If, if Tyrese misses any time, uh, they're they're in trouble. Um, so I'd like both Miami and Orlando jumping up into that top six. All right. A lot more to get into. Let's get into the value in the MVP market coming up next. We can get into the most improved, some other awards, and also get into some divisions as well. Welcome back into East Coast Bias. Brian Barrett filling in for JJ Raheem and House here as they usually are. So let's get into the MVP market here. So Raheem, I know you alluded to, you referenced Luca earlier. Is that the value you like here? I'm not crazy about that one. I know a lot of other people within the market like it because of, you know, how well Luca's been playing. I think SGA still presents the best value on the board at plus 210. And the reason why is because, I mean, you hinted at this earlier. Winning is like probably the biggest metric to use for this MVP award. If you go back to, you know, the 1980s, there's only been three players to win this award 
without winning, being a second seed or better. That's Michael Jordan, 1988, when he averaged, you know, 37 points or so. It's, <laughs> it's Russell Westbrook when he had the triple-double. And it's Nikola Jokic when he was the sixth seed. And even when he was the sixth seed, he won it over Joel Embiid when he pretty much was just a game behind Joel Embiid in the standing. So, like, if you ask me, winning is very important. If you look at this Oklahoma City Thunder team, they are 37-17. and 17. They're one and a half games behind the Minnesota Timberwolves for the first seed in the Western Conference. And look, the Denver Nuggets, I mean, as great as they are, but this is a team that's kind of been on a little bit of a lull lately. And you saw it last year. Last year in March, they just weren't very great. And I don't think Nikola Jokic cares about this award. I, I think this is a guy who they already won a championship. They just want to get into the postseason and be healthy. Last 10 games, they are 5-5. Five and five. I expect that law to continue because their bench is not as good as it was previously. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're a younger team. They want to prove that they're one of the best teams in the league, and they're going to go for it. And if they get that number one seed, SGA is going to win this award. So I would take them at plus 210, even at this price. It's a great call, and I think the analysis is super sound. The only name on the board, uh, BB, that I'm kind of considering and and maybe it's just one of these things where it's like, man, this dude is really available at double digits. It's it's the freak. It's Giannis at at ten to one, because my expectation is that Milwaukee does figure it out, and they might. Um, I do think that they're going to secure the two seed, and they might go on like a little tear at the end where they reel off like you know twelve wins in fourteen games as part of securing that two seed, and it will be. Because the the freak very quietly, if you look at his numbers, they're 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 incredible. They're up to his standard. So it's the idea of him at ten to one. Now the thing that you have to deal with is the case that 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 Dream just made for SGA, which is a very compelling case because I do think OK OKC is absolutely gunning for that one seed. If they land that one seed, it's going to be tough narrative wise to jump over SGA with the freak who's already got a couple on, on, on his shelf and, and, and that kind of thing. You know, we have to remember it's, it's all about that storyline. Uh, that's a key element of this, of this vote. So, um, but a 10 to one, man, that, that, that's the only uh, name and number that jumps out at me. Yeah. The biggest thing I'd say about that is Doc going to campaign like he campaigned last year for Embiid to win the MVP. Is he going to get in? Like make sure, Hey, Giannis is the best player in the NBA after what he did last year with Embiid. The one other guy that I would look at, and this is a long shot, is Tatum at plus 2,900. The reason I say this is, okay, it's the narrative thing of the best player, best team. Like, we've heard that argument before. His numbers are slightly down if you look at the raw numbers. But the one thing is, if, say, things stay pretty much status quo around the league in terms of what the standings look in the Western Conference, and the Celtics win the East by six, seven games— Tatum's actually playing better over the last month and change than he's been playing all season long. Like, if you look at this winning streak they're on, he's at 29, almost 10, and 7.5. And it's the best playmaking stretch of his career. And then the other thing that's happened with Tatum recently is the last 26 games prior to the All-Star break, 39.1% on pull-up threes. Prior to that, he was at 28.9%. So he, he's never been a great pull-up shooter. That's coming around right now. So I know this is a long shot, but... If, say, OKC d drops out of the top two and say that, as we mentioned, Jokic and the Denver Nuggets kind of cruise and Giannis is significantly behind 
the Celtics and that Bucks team doesn't get the number two seed, something along those lines, it may be worth putting something at plus 2,900 because Tatum has been really good. I think the most difficult thing for Tatum is he's playing on such a stacked team that it's good in the long run because they look like a significantly better team than they've been in the past. But your numbers are going to go down just a little bit. But the way that he was talking at the All-Star break, made me feel like he kind of feels disrespected when they're talking about like the face of the league and stuff along those lines. He said, I'm going to have something to say if we win a championship. So it may be worth it. Just the long shot at plus 2,900. Brian, I love you, but NBA Brock Purdy is not winning this award. Whoa! Whoa! (laughs) Brock Purdy? Look, I mean, we know Brock Purdy's a great, uh, he's a good quarterback, but a big part of Brock Purdy's success was the fact that he played on such a talented roster. I mean, you got guys like George Kittle, Brandon IU. You could say the same thing about Jason Tatum. And we all love Jason Tatum. We all know he dropped that 51-point game against the Philadelphia 76ers in Game 7. But this is a guy who doesn't have to show up every night because his team is so talented. And if you look at the history of this MVP award, there's an advanced metric which is correlated with this award, and it's called PER, Player Efficiency Rating. We all know PER has its flaws, but Jason Tatum has a PER of 22 right now. Like, if you compare that to Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic has a PER of 31. So, I mean, you're talking apples to oranges. I mean, like, even SGA has a PER of 30 and a half. Like, there's just too many guys in front of him with better numbers for Jason Tatum to get this award. I understand your point about best player on the best team, but I'm sorry. He is NBA Brock Purdy at this point. Well, I, okay. So I, I'm not saying I think he's going to win it. I'm saying at plus 2,900, it's worth taking a shot. Now, I will say, like, Porzingis has a better PER than him, too, and he's on his own team. But he is in the top 10 in win shares. I think Purdy's a little harsh just because Tatum is the best player on the team. Purdy's not even, what, the fifth best player on the San Francisco 49ers? Like, Tatum is the best player on the Celtics. So I think the oh. Purdy thing is a little Oh, and I would Purdy slander. Why? Because I don't think he's good as good as Jason Tatum. <laughs> that's the Purdy slander. And the other thing I'd say with Tatum, I think one thing that's hurt him is if you look at his, the history of his career, he's gotten to places early and he's made like he's had his, he was so bad against the Warriors. He was bad against Philly until he hit those big threes in game six. He certainly had his warts, but most guys his age aren't on that stage yet. Right? Like, Shea, this is what hopefully will be his first big postseason run. I know he played with the Clippers and he played in the bubble with OKC, but he hasn't really had that opportunity to showcase himself in the playoffs for a long extended run. I feel like a lot of other guys around the league haven't been in these big moments this young, going back to like, you know, Tim Duncan is like the most recent example of a guy that right away was awesome when he got into the postseason and made big runs. I feel like in the 1980s, you had that happen, but not so much recently. So I do think it's sometimes Tatum gets judged a little too harshly because of their failures in the postseason when he was like 23 years old, when he played in the NBA finals. Eh, He wasn't the best player on his own team in those finals. So that's true. That was three years ago. Uh, right. It's hard for us to unsee that. That that That's all. The case that you made in terms of everything clearing out makes me feel like, oh, damn, maybe I should go bet Luca. Because if, if if what you described in terms of SGA and OKC falling out, we I think we're kind of in the same boat with with um the Joker. I think we're all in agreement around the Joker and the freak. Maybe it's 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 too tall uh, a, a hill to climb. That starts feeling like a little bit, man. If if Dallas goes on the run that we we're kind of talking about and that I certainly believe in, 
Maybe Luca, even at seven to one. I got him at nine to one. I, I went ahead. I, and, I have and a question for you guys because we're talking about long shots right now. On FanDuel Sportsbook, Kawhi Leonard is at seventy-five to one. And if you look at the Western Conference right now, the Los Angeles Clippers are third, and they're two games behind the Minnesota Timberwolves for the number one seed in the conference. And you look at Kawhi Leonard, what he's doing this year. Um, obviously, it is on par with Jason Tatum, probably a little bit less. But he is the guy on that team. What do you guys think about his chances? It's going to take like a a, a a nationally prominent per maybe like the Podfather or Zach. Somebody saying, "Are we sleeping on Kawhi Leonard?" And then they come out and they make the case and they show how unbelievable his numbers have been this season. How he single handedly dragged them along with the after James Harden arrived and and. Really, he facilitated James Harden's success with this team. That chemistry came together all because of Kawhi. It's a version of Kawhi we haven't seen in in how many years, right? Um, and so, if if we want to give him the the title of being the chemist, he is the chemist. He took all the elements and put them together, and here is that success. And if they finish high up there, it just takes one prominent voice out there to be like, "Yo, everybody, don't sleep on Kawhi." At that price, that guy can be worth, you know, little, 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 little dollop of something on there. I feel like BB. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think one thing that hurt him is if he had this game that he had against the Celtics, where the Clippers came into the Garden and just crushed the Celtics in one of these ABC Saturday night games, then that would have been a massive story for Kawhi. So I think from a narrative perspective. It was going on for that stretch when they were like 25 and 5 or whatever, but the Clippers have cooled off since then. And and uh, look, I'm I'm looking at one game, but what happened against Minnesota to them like a week and a half ago was pretty ugly. I just, I don't think they're going to get the number 1 seed and I think that's the only way you could give it to Kawhi because his numbers are not going to match what SGA's been able to do and what even Jokic and definitely not what Luka's been able to do. So I think that's their only way. How about six man? You guys like anybody for that? Because I would throw out Powell at plus 750 just because the Clippers are going to, they always sit guys, and I know less this year, but they have been, we see every once in a while, Kawhi recently was banged up a little bit. That's the reason I say that is maybe Powell has a strong finish to the season. I feel like Naz Reed at plus 8,000, he's just undervalued because people don't realize how good he is. So it's not even worth throwing anything on that because nobody's going to vote for him, even though he may be the most important reserve in the NBA. I kind of agree with you on on Powell. I think he, you know he's had you know a pretty good season, but I think this is pretty it's it's priced appropriately. When I look at what Malik Monk has done this year, I mean he's been fantastic, and he's also done it in high pro- profile moments. And I think that's what's going to ultimately get him the award. But I think I mean it's priced the way it should be. Malik Monk, Tim Hardaway Jr., Norman Powell. I think those are the top three guys on the board. So if I had to take somebody, if I had to take a flyer on a long shot, it would definitely be Norman Powell. But I think Malik Monk ultimately ends up winning this award. And he's at minus 115. So so Powell would be the way that if you made a small investment on Kawhi to win MVP, you could also bet Powell an 8-1 to one as the hedge because he's the dude that's going to be the catalyst over this stretch if Kawhi needs to start resting, if this adductor situation you know, lingers at all. And we just watched it. Powell made the difference. He Powell won that game against the Warriors. Now, don't get me started on the Warriors and, uh, and all of this, uh, you know, uh, celebration of them getting the 500. Uh, we'll have an opportunity to talk about that soon enough. But um, if Powell 
gets that time, right, and gets that shine and is on that stage over this uh, stretch run, then at eight to one, that that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I always feel like the sixth man of the war year of the award always goes to the guy that scores the most points. That's like normally how it goes. That's why I reference Reed. Like nobody's going to consider Reed despite the season that he's having. The only thing that Monk would get hurt by is if Sacramento sort of falls down the stretch here, which I think is possible, as I said earlier, with the way that this team has sort of been playing this year compared to last year. All right, a lot more to get into coming up next. We'll take a look at the Thursday night slate. Welcome into East Coast Bias. Brian Barrett in for JJ. Of course, Raheem and House here is... They normally are. So, guys, let's get into this Thursday night slate because we finally have basketball back tonight, baby. Let's go. Raheem, what's your best play of the night? I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Clippers. This was, it's since opened up at plus three. It's down to plus two. I think you could take them plus two or money line in this spot. And I really like the Clippers to bounce back. We know they've been a little bit rough lately. Um, they did win that game over the Golden State Warriors last week. They got blown out by the Minnesota Timberwolves. But the one thing that this Oklahoma City Thunder team doesn't have is they don't have bigs inside. And this is not a team that's great at defending the three-point line. You look at the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are 25th in opponent three-point shooting frequency. And they're just, you know, pretty much middle of the pack in three-point shooting accuracy. So I feel like this is a game where the the Clippers can go out there and pretty much outscore this Thunder team. They're coming off an all-star break. I think they're going to just, you know, come out with a vengeance. So I like them in this spot. So I don't mean to come in and, and and try and dominate the segment. I had this game. I have Clippers plus 118 on the money line on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now as we are recording this Thursday. Um, I like the money line there. The only question is, you know, they have a back-to-back in front of them. Um, do, does Kawhi definitely play? That's the, the only, you know, sort of consideration. Um, and that is one of the three referendum games. We're back from the All-Star break. I think there are three. They're all in the West. We got the Lakers at Golden State. We got Dallas hosting the Suns. Clippers at OKC. I want to see something out of all of them, but it depends on on whether or not the big guys are playing. You guys um, shared we're, we're still not 100% certain that LeBron is going to go against Golden State. I really love the Lakers um, in this, getting the four and a half points, the plus 160, but that market seems to suggest significant um, question about whether or not LeBron actually plays. I love Dallas. I'm on Dallas minus three. They're la- it's minus 148 on the money line. They're hosting the Suns. Bradley Beal is doing what Bradley Beal does, which is get paid to nurse his hamstring. Uh, and this, this be the combination of what this, this, uh, Dallas team has in front of it, what it can a- accomplish. And the fact that they can now play bully ball. That's the thing that I'm most interested in with them and their own chemistry experiment. And I think they can bully the hell out of this uh, Suns team. I love, they they like making a point against the Suns anyway. It's kind of in Luca's DNA to embarrass the Suns. So coming off the, uh, the, the break, Dallas laying the three points at home against the Suns. That that's my favorite play. I'm with you on that house. And if you parlay that with Luca over 31 and a half, because he's had 34 and 50 against this team. And as you mentioned, he does not like the Suns whatsoever. You can get that up to plus 189, which I think is very possible because he likes to send a message to that team. Uh, my best bet is this is sort of a game that nobody's going to watch. The Hornets are nine and a half point dogs in Utah. 
They won three in a row before the break. And travel is not really an issue here because you've had all this time in terms of the break. I know there's altitude there, but Brandon Miller has been awesome. Miles Bridges is having like these 40 point games. And when you look at Utah, they took away a bunch of their rotation. They were horrible down the stretch before the break. They lost four in a row. They had a 130 defensive rating, which was the worst in the NBA. And you think about the fact that they don't have Olenek anymore, who was like really important for their passing. And I know this is like not a really interesting game, but I feel like right now the Hornets are playing like the Hornets have NBA players now. And I know we, I trashed Grant Williams earlier today, but Grant Williams has played well since the trade. He's had a couple of big games there. And the big thing for them is they're not playing G leaguers anymore with or without LaMelo. This team has been pretty good. So I think it's kind of under the radar and I don't understand why the line is nine and a half. Well, there is a stinky one that I'm going to, you know, and I mentioned it already. I love Washington getting 15 points in in Denver. Uh, and there's no reason that Denver can't come out and, and take care of business and dominate. But it, it just is begging for a nice, easy backdoor cover for Washington. They play they will play hard all the way to, to the end of the game. You just have to make sure Jordan Poole doesn't get any touches. Denver can be up by 22 with the in the, with the last four minutes uh, in the game and, and the Wiz can come down and score and grab a little uh, backdoor cover. They are playing hard under Coach Brian Keefe, and, I, and I, I've been admiring it thus far. Not suggesting that's a, a massive play out there for anybody, but 15 is a lot to lay in the NBA for a team that's trying hard, Dream. It really is. Um, You know, I'm going to go back to that Dallas Mavericks game, and my model actually makes this around 239 or so. I think this total is a little bit too high when you consider how the Mavericks have been playing defense lately. So I'm going to go under 244 and a half. If there's anything that we know about this Mavericks team and Luka Doncic, he slows that pace down. Last two weeks, they are second in defensive rating, 105 points per Wanda possessions. You look at the Suns, last two weeks, they're sixth in defensive rating, 111 points per Wanda possessions. And we know Bradley Bill, he's kind of banged up. He has that broken nose. These guys are coming back from the All-Star break. I think at 244, this total is a little bit too high, so I'm going to play the under here. I like it. All right, before we go, we'll get into a nice little SGP for big game in the Western Conference between the Warriors and the Lakers. Welcome back into East Coast Bias. We're going to have an SGP up later on tonight for the Lakers and the Warriors. So if you want to tail us, make sure to follow us on FanDuel. Raheem, what do you like about this Lakers Warriors game? Anything sticking out to you? I think the under stands out to me. And I'm, you know, I'm like, Brian, I know you're new on this show. I like to bet against human achievement. That's the thing that I like to bet on the most. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the guy who goes to a sporting event and hope no one scores ever. But, you know, last time these two teams played, you got a 118 118 score at the end of regulation before it went into double overtime. And a lot of times you got these guys coming off an all star break. They have fresh legs. I mean, some of these guys probably haven't shot a basketball since before they went to Cancun. So I tend to like to bet against things like that. And the one thing that we know about this Golden State Warriors team is that their defense has been significantly better since the return of Draymond Green. And we know LeBron James is questionable for this matchup. So if LeBron James is questionable for this matchup, that is going to impact their offense. So I, I like the under 241 and a half. Yeah, and on that same theme, I'm in the rebound category, and I'm looking at one guy on each team. Obviously, Anthony Davis, that's an obvious answer. 
Uh, his number is at 13 and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Tiny, slightly juiced to, to the over. I'm going to play the over. Again, That that's the best pathway for the Lakers. And with LeBron questionable, I'm looking at Kuminga rebounds. Five and a half rebounds is the number in the in the sports book. I like the over for for Kaminga. So dreams are against human achievement. I'm on positive vibes only coming off this All Star break. Couple overs in the rebound category, Brian Barrett. Yeah, I feel you, and I, I like Anthony Davis over twenty five and a half where it's at right now. I think you should lock that in because he's been really good against the Warriors in the past, and he's obviously going to have what Draymond on him most of the night. And I know Draymond's great, but Tough to stop a guy that's that much taller than you. And the one other thing I'm looking at is Steph over five and a half assists. He's hit this in three of four games. And in two of those games, he's had 10 assists. Steph's, Steph's been uh, racking up the assists as of late. All right, so if you want to check that out, check it out on FanDuel. You can tell us if you want. Raheem House, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Always an honor. It's been a while since we've done some stuff. Last time we spoke, I think you Boston Celtics for beating my Philadelphia 76ers. Um <laughs> I've had a grudge against you ever since then, but nah, welcome back. I, lo- I love Brian Barrett because the Washington C-Words, we-, we talked about them against the Patriots. That terrible C-Words team went up there against that terrible pass team. But but look, Brian Barrett, you're on time, so you're my man. Anytime, buddy. Can't wait to have you back. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas. Under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem for 100 Gambler. Or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-I'm with it in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700. Or... Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.